Good morning. I want to welcome you on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. Our passage for this morning, the portion of the Bible that we are going to look at, is Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 11 and 12. I'll read that in just a little bit. But who would have thought? Who would have thought on this Easter Sunday that I would be coming to you by video just a month and a half ago? We could have never imagined that on this Easter Sunday I would be preaching to a completely empty auditorium coming to you by way of video. But that's where we find ourselves. And we're going to make the best of it. And we're going to worship together our risen Savior. And this morning, there is one thing that I want you to focus on with me. One glorious thing. And that is, when Jesus rose from the grave, it meant that for those who receive him as Savior, all of their sins, all of their sins are forgiven. Now, when Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered Satan, and that is a an important thing. When Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death, and that is an important thing. But I want to say to you this morning that there is something even more important upon which those two other things are based, and that is the forgiveness of all of our sins, because Jesus completely and thoroughly paid for our sins, granting us forgiveness. Therefore, he has victory over the devil. Therefore, he has victory over death. The passage we're going to look at, as I mentioned, is Hebrews 10, verses 11 and 12. But I want to read the entire paragraph for you just to get the context this morning. And then we'll come back to verses 11 and 12. But let me read Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14. It says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want you to really think about verses 11 and 12. Every priest, every Old Testament priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Well, our first point this morning is the reason Christ died. For the last three weeks, we looked at the death of Christ from Matthew 27. We have been looking at the crucifixion for the last three weeks. And everything that I am going to say this morning is based upon those last three weeks. As I mentioned before, this is an entire series. Now, I want to go briefly go back over what I shared because I realize, especially coming by video, 
that some of you haven't been with us for those or weren't with us for those three messages or maybe you missed one of them or two of them. So let me briefly just bring us to where we are at this morning. Three weeks ago, we looked at the three hours of darkness from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, from noon until three o'clock. Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. And from noon until three o'clock, there was darkness over the whole land, a darkness that represented the wrath and judgment of God upon sin, the sin that was now laid upon Jesus. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' cry of agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father turned his back on God the Son because God was of too pure eyes to look upon the sin that was now upon his Son. Jesus took upon himself all the sin for the entire world for all time. And Jesus not only took our sin upon himself, he became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Last week, last week, we saw that Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. No one took Jesus' life from him. He surrendered it by the conscious act of his own sovereign will. Jesus died at the exact moment that he determined. In Matthew 27 and verse 50, we read, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and yielded up his spirit. No one took it from him. He voluntarily yielded it up. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19 and verse 30, we read that when Jesus came to the point of his death, he said, it is finished. He had thoroughly and completely paid for all of our sins. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, we read, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus died at the exact time that he determined. Well, that brings us to where we are at this morning. The reason that Christ had to be the final sacrifice for sin is because the Old Testament sacrificial system could never take away our sins. The reason that there had to be a final sacrifice and that the perfect Lamb of God had to be that sacrifice is because the Old Testament Levitical system could never take away our sins. Hebrews 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. If you ever want to study that verse, or if you ever want to lead or teach a Bible study on that verse, just remember that every single word and phrase is important. It really breaks down very easily. 
It says every priest stands. Every Old Testament priest stands. Do you know why they stood? The priest stands because his work is never finished. The reason he stands is because his work, the work of the Old Testament priest is never finished. It says every priest stands daily. Daily. The Old Testament sacrifices had to be made over and over again. All of those lambs, all of those bulls, all of those goats that they sacrificed, they had to sacrifice over and over again. Notice, it says, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. What a phrase. Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. And here is the most important statement in verse 11 which can never take away sins. It's the last statement. Which can never take away sins. Listen to the power of that verse. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. The Old Testament sacrifices could temporarily cover over sins, but they could never take them away. John MacArthur writes this. He says the Levitical system had 24 orders, in each of which were hundreds of priests who took turns serving at the altar. This system did not lack for priests, but it did lack effectiveness. All the priests together could not make an effective sacrifice for sin. Oh, that last sentence. All the priests together, hundreds of Old Testament priests, all the priests together could not make an effective sacrifice for sins. And that brings us to our second point, the final sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he offered up the final all-sufficient sacrifice for sin, never to be repeated again. What a glorious thought. When Jesus died on the cross, he offered up the final, all-sufficient sacrifice for sin, never, never to be repeated again. In the first part of verse 12, it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. But when Christ had offered for all time, for all time, a single sacrifice for sins. Kind of put that in reverse order and you really see the impact. A single sacrifice for sins for all time. A single sacrifice for sins for all time. And you are immediately as a Bible student to contrast Verse 12 with verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But, but when Christ had offered for all time a single 
sacrifice for sins. A single sacrifice for sins for all time. Now, you may be wondering if you're, as you're listening to me this morning, what does this have to do with the resurrection of Christ? Well, I want to share that with you. This is at the heart and soul of everything that I am sharing with you this morning. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was God the Father's declaration that Jesus had thoroughly and completely paid for all of your sins. Let me say that again because it is. It's, it's the big idea. It's the main point of this whole message. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was God the Father's declaration that Jesus had thoroughly and completely paid for all of your sins. I want you to think about something with me on this Resurrection Sunday. If one trace, if one trace of sin had not been paid for on the cross... God the Father could not have raised Jesus from the dead. Have you ever thought about that? If one trace, if even a single trace of sin had not been paid for on the cross, God the Father could not have raised Christ from the dead. All of your sins have been paid for. Not just the sins before you were saved, not just the sins that you confess with your mouth, but all of your sins, all of your sins have been punished and paid for. There is an old saying, and it rings very true today. If you've never heard it before, I want you to think about this. If you are not forgiven of all, you are not forgiven at all. If you are not forgiven of all, you are not forgiven at all. If you are not forgiven for every single one of your sins, then you are not forgiven at all. If even one trace of sin, if even one trace of sin had not been paid for, God the Father could not have raised Christ from the dead. Do you know who tells us that? Do you know who tells us that? James does. James tells us that in James chapter 2 and verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Do you know how many sins it takes to declare you a lawbreaker and to declare that you are eternally condemned? Do you know how many sins it takes? One. If you are guilty of one sin, you are guilty of breaking the whole law, James says. If Jesus had not died for every single sin. The Father could not have raised him from the dead. You know who else tells us this? Paul does. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17. And it says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And watch this. And you are still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, folks, it means that all of your sins were not paid for. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, it would be because he didn't pay for all of your sins. Your faith is meaningless and you are still in your sins. Well, let's look at the second part of verse 12. He sat down at the right hand 
of God. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. I have shared this with you many times in the past. The right hand of God is the place of highest authority in the universe. It is the place of greatest authority, the right hand of God the Father. Now in verse 11, because we need to again contrast verse 12 with verse 11. It says this. In verse 11 it says this. Every priest stands daily at his service. Every Old Testament priest stands daily at his service. But when our great high priest, Jesus, died and was buried and, was ro- and rose again, our great high priest does not stand daily. He sat down. Do you see that? The great high priest, our great high priest, Jesus, does not stand daily. He sat down. Why did he sit down? He sat down because his work was finished. No more sacrifices. No more sacrifices. Oh, folks. Jesus did not sit down at the right hand of God because he is the Son of God. He is always the Son of God. He is always the Son of God. He sat down at the right hand of God because he has thoroughly and completely put away all of our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, the place of highest authority in the universe because he had thoroughly and completely paid for all of our sins. What a beautiful picture. What a powerful picture. He sits down. He sits down because his work is finished. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead means that any person who receives him as Savior and Lord will be forgiven of all of their sins, all of them. The resurrection of Christ from the dead means that any person, anywhere, who receives Jesus as Savior and Lord will be forgiven of all their sins, all of them. No matter what happens to you in your life, if you receive Christ as Savior, there is one thing they cannot take away from you, ever. All your sins are forgiven, and you are a child of God. As we go through this worldwide pandemic, as we go through this time of great uncertainty and turbulence in our state, in our nation, around the world, as people are confined to their homes because of a virus unlike any we've seen before, I want you to know something. No matter how this all turns out, how this all goes, there is one thing they can never, ever take away from you, and that is you are forgiven of all your sins, 
and you are a child of God. Great parallel verse, or passage, I should say, for Hebrews 10, is Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 and 14. In Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it, don't miss that, nailing it to the cross. You, you who were dead in your sins, you who were dead in your trespasses, God made you alive together with Christ. How did he make us alive? How did he make us alive in Christ? Having forgiven all our sins. I want you to know something this morning. Apart from Christ, apart from Christ, the most important problem with every person in the world is that they are spiritually dead in their sins. Most important problem with every person in the world apart from Christ is that they are spiritually dead in their sins. Paul says it in Ephesians 2. We looked at that when I preached through the book of Ephesians. So he says it in Ephesians 2 and he says it in Colossians 2. You were dead in your sins. You were dead in your trespasses. I want you to imagine with me this morning that up here on our platform, we have three caskets and in each casket is a dead man three very different men when they were alive but three dead men in the first casket is a billionaire who has died he lived in a great mansion he lived with great wealth and now they are going to bury him in the very best casket that money can buy and he is dressed in the very best suit that money can buy. In the second casket is a middle-class, hard-working man. Worked hard of his li- all his life, provided for his family. He asked that when he was buried, he'd be buried in a flannel shirt and jeans, and so that's how he lies in his casket. Not the fanciest casket, but it's the best casket that his family could afford. In the third casket is a man who was homeless. Hardly anybody knew that he existed. They just found him dead and they dressed him in the most raggedy clothes they could find and he's in the cheapest pine box possible and the state the state is paying for his burial. Do you know what all three of these men have in common? They're all dead. They're all dead. It didn't matter how wealthy they were or how poor they were. It didn't matter how hard they worked or how hard they didn't work. It didn't matter how famous they were or if they were completely unknown. It didn't matter because they're all dead. And you see, apart from Christ, apart from Christ, every one of us is dead in our sins. 
We're dead in our sins and there is nothing we can do on our own to become spiritually alive. Okay, every, apart from Christ, every person is spiritually dead. And there is nothing you can do on your own to become spiritually alive. I can try to live the very best life I can possibly live. But it will not make me spiritually alive. I can try to be the most religious, the most religious and devout person in all of the world, but it will not make me spiritually alive. I could take my money and give it to a hundred, a hundred different charities, but it will not make me spiritually alive. I could spend my entire adult life in compassion, feeding the poor and ministering to the sick and the lonely. And it will not make me spiritually alive. However, however, every person who individually receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior becomes spiritually alive in Christ and is guaranteed guaranteed of eternal life. Every person who individually receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior becomes spiritually alive and is guaranteed of eternal life. That's what Colossians 2.13 says. And you, you who were dead in your trespasses, you were dead in your sins, God made you alive together with Christ. How did he make us alive in Christ? He tells us, having forgiven all your sins. Having forgiven all your sins. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus did not die to make bad men good. He died to make dead men live. Let me say that again. Jesus did not die to make bad men good. He died to make dead men live. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever become spiritually alive in him? And maybe you're watching me this morning on this special day, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Saying, Pastor Tim, I don't even know what that means. How does a person know Christ as Savior? How do they become spiritually alive? Well, I want to share four things with you. First of all, the first thing you need to do is you need to admit your sin. You need to admit that you have a need, a desperate need for a Savior. You have to be willing to admit that you are a sinner. Second, you need to be willing to turn from your sins. We use the word repent. You need to be willing to turn away to repent of your sins. Third, you need to believe with all your heart, with all your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave. Fourth, through prayer, through prayer, invite Jesus 
to come into your life through the means of the Holy Spirit. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. In Romans 10, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a great verse for resurrection, say for Easter Sunday, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I admit, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself. I repent of my sins. I believe, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Come into my life and save me. Come into my life and save me. I want to receive you as my Savior and follow you as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, there is no special formula of words that saves you. If you can't remember what I just shared with you, just simply pray this. Lord, I need you. I need you. Come into my life and save me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life and save me. If you pray a prayer like that, on this Easter Sunday or in one of the days that follow, would you do this for me? Would you just send us maybe a short note letting us know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? We'd love to send you some follow-up material that will help you to grow in your Christian life. You can simply go to our church website. We're the First Baptist Church of St. John's. Just go to our website and on the main menu across the top, just click on Contact Us. And when you click on that, it will show the different email addresses. You can send it to the office email or to my personal email if you'd like. It's listed right there. Just let us know that you've trusted Christ as Savior, and we will send you some material to help you. Oh, on this Easter Sunday, let us all rejoice. Let us all shout hallelujah that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And if you receive him as your Savior and Lord, he will forgive you of all of your sins. All of them. At this time, I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we will listen to our closing song. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you that in his death on the cross, Christ completely and thoroughly paid for every one of our sins. We thank you for his victorious resurrection where God the Father declared to all the universe 
that for those who come to know his son as Savior, every single sin has been paid for. And thank you. Thank you that when our great high priest sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, it meant his work was finished, never to be repeated again. Oh, how we thank you. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. Oh, Lord, I pray for any who are struggling, who are convicted, that they might receive Jesus as their Savior and know the blessedness, the gloriousness of being forgiven. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.